Hello, this is Kyle. Mark thinks that it would be smart. My assistant, Mark. He wants some audio for my webpage, so... Guess what? We're going to make some audio. What are we going to talk about? Uh, Ink Master, right? I mean, I know why you're here. <laughs> um, so let's talk about Ink Master. If you've watched the video on the webpage, you get an idea of... Um, you might get an idea of, of, you know, the crazy that I was going through or what I was kind of seeing. And, and I kind of want to talk about that video. Thanks for making it first off, Mark. Awesome job. Mark Smith's my assistant. And great job, buddy. I really appreciate it. Uh, I There might be some copyright laws that I might have broken with it uh, by posting it, I guess, actually. Mark, you broke it. Way to go. It's your fault. <laughs> I don't. Uh, well, actually, okay, I won't mention you. Jeez. So, okay, so Mark Smith did not make that. That was made by an anonymous person. That No, under fair use, we should be allowed to watch it. And, and we should be able to create it because what we're showing here is something that Ink Master... We're reviewing Ink Masters. We're reviewing uh, reality TV shows, if you will, and, and through my experience on them. And you can see... I think most people get an idea, especially from the video of some of the bias that they seem to be putting at me. And why would they put this bias to one person? Uh, well, that was the question that kept going through my head the most. <laughs> because no matter how much I tried to be nice guy and to get along and um, all that, it seemed there was production and there was people conspiring against me. They didn't want happy Kyle. They didn't want uh, best performance Kyle. They wanted best performance for the camera Kyle. They wanted angry Kyle. So when Nunez is saying that I perform better, I don't think he means I perform better on my tattoos. He says he put, that puts me through a hard time because I perform better. He means I perform better on the TV show, which makes him more money. Because the angrier I get, the angrier any of the contestants get, the more people will watch, the more drama there is, and the more viewership you'll have. So, I mean, he wasn't wrong. Uh, it sucks that I was kind of picked as the uh, person that was going to have this level that. I mean, he kept saying that I perform better with animosity. And I kept wondering, well, if Melissa be performed better with chocolate cake, are you going to show up with chocolate cake on the set? I mean, let's really think about this. This is unfair. Quit being so unfair to the rest of the contestants I'm competing against and give them a fair chance because I just keep performing so good because of your shitty critiques but actually much the opposite right he would routinely critique me and tell me I was doing worse and worse and worse but yet he would keep trying the same procedure to get me to perform better which he he was the one that asked what the definition of insanity was and so, man, I was really glad that got into the video. That was really why I even wanted to show it on the webpage because that made the most sense to me. I was like, that finally, I mean, I see it. I'm so glad I see it because I felt it. And a lot of the stuff I, di I didn't really watch. I didn't watch closely for a long time. Uh, most of the times I viewed it, the first season and the second season uh, were in viewer, were at bars. 
where there was a bunch of people around. We were all viewing it together, and nobody was really watching it. <laughs> and most people were trying to get me to do shots. Every time I'd be on the screen, they might qu be quiet for a minute, and then they would talk again. But um, So I, I didn't really get to see it. And I went back and watched it recently, and and then I came up with, I was like, this is what I would like you to show. That's what the video seems to show. But I want to delve into it a little bit more. Am I mad at Ink Masters for using me like that? Uh, I'm not happy, but I'm not mad. Does that make sense? I mean, and then, and then I'm also kind of happy. <laughs> like, I believe I'm one of the more popular people that have ever been on Ink Masters because of that. Not because of who I am or what I do, necessarily. Um, I think I do have a character that a lot of people seem to relate to because I'm a bit humble, kind of self-effacing, and it's easier to approach somebody like that than it is to, say, approach somebody who seems to think they're better than everybody else. Um, and I definitely know I'm not. I've Before I went on Ink Master, uh, I was a traveling tattoo artist. I owned a tattoo shop, too, and I had, I had uh, anywhere from, at any given time, for five to eight guys tattooing underneath me and uh when i went on ink masters i was kind of i, I was doing these shows too what, what's called tattoo conventions so i was also traveling um and I, I traveled with the best tattoo artists in the world i mean i would go to a tattoo convention and you'll be tattooing next to nico hurtado who was on the show as a judge uh and you'll be tattooing next to these awesome awesome tattoo artists and it gives you it can, it should, it gives you a certain amount of humility, because I am not Nico Hurtado, that, that guy is one of the best, you know, and I've, I've, um, tattooed next to these people, Steve Monet, uh, I want to say Steve Butcher, um, I've tattooed next to the best in the world, and some of the old timers, too, the people that have recognition because of where they took tattooing, or where their name or reputation is, just expose them to things that people want to know, you know. Um, I've met Shanghai. I got tattooed by Shanghai Kate. Uh, I've I've had an awesome life traveling, on the road tattooing, and so when I got to Ink Master, I I didn't feel that I was the best in the world at all. I wasn't some small fish, or excuse me, I wasn't some big fish in a small pond. I was much the opposite. I was a very small fish in a, in, in the biggest pond. I was in the ocean. And so my idea of competition inside of tattooing, I didn't think that I was as good. I knew that they would want me on because I was interesting. I guess why don't I give you an idea of casting. Okay. First time I cast for Ink Masters, and I cast three times. The first time I cast for Ink Masters, I went to New York City. And a lot of my friends told me, fuck that show. It's stupid. Don't do it. You, you're you're selling out. You're a sellout. You're a loser. You're whatever. And I went and I tried out. And I proved them right. I didn't get on. I was a loser. I was a sellout. Um, I sat there and I just said what they wanted. I sat very straight. I, uh, I didn't say what they wanted, actually. I said what they asked. I answered what they asked, which is not actually what they wanted. But I wouldn't find that out for a full another year. Even after uh, New York, I drove from New York to Michigan and then to Austin, Texas, which is a long drive if you're not familiar with the geography here. Um, and then we drove to Austin, Texas to try out again. Two weeks later, one week later, they had a second tryout. I tried out again, and I tried the same formula because I'm insane. 
I sat there in the same shirt, same haircut, and I answered much the same way. And it took him I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes to say, just like they said in New York, you know, don't call us, we'll call you. And they never fucking called. So I was angered. A year had passed, and a lot had happened at my shop. Um, people I believe in the shop turned uh, my travels into animosity, and maybe even my attempt to get on Ink Master into some kind of animosity or, or some kind of idea of ego, maybe. I was away enough that there was a cancer in the shop who... Uh, how, what did he do? He took everybody down the road. He opened a shop down the road, and he took my crew with him. Uh, you know... It's one of these things that happens in tattooing. It's one of the it's it's the reason I don't own a tattoo shop now. I don't want to babysit for the small reward that comes from it. I mean, there's there's a certain lucrative you know that comes off of it, but there's this gut punch of your soul that you get when the people that you love and you nurture, you nurture them to being better tattoo artists and to being better um, people and to having more money and better relationships you attempt to nurture these people into that and then they go and they work for somebody down the road and that that hurts it still hurts to this day like uh and that's what got me on ink master let me let me explain two uh excuse me one year had passed and uh steve had gotten on steve teft was a friend of mine he got on the season that i tried out for in new york he got on in new york uh, he's from connecticut and so it was an easy drive for him. I drove to Austin, Texas, and I still didn't get on. And then I was I watched him. It was fun to watch my friends on TV. You know, every season it seems like there was a friend that I would have on there. And then uh, the next casting call was in was in Chicago. So my wife convinced me that we were going to go. I didn't want to, but she said, hey, we'll go check out the Lego store. We'll take our son. We like Chicago. You know, there's some stuff to see around there. And Chicago's is weird weird energy kind of a place it's not new york it's not trying to be you know what i mean chicago's trying to be chicago it's not la it's not minneapolis it's straight up trying to be chicago and it does it and it's very unique and i love that town uh i've never lived there maybe i'd be different i just i've always had good luck in chicago so we went we went to chicago and we tried out uh i tried out i i and I went in with a different attitude. I should say that, too. I was pissed, right? And I was like, fuck these people. I'm not filling out their paperwork. I'm, I think I did bring a glossy that I had left over. I don't even, uh, like, because they wanted you have, like, an 8x10 glossy. But I don't know. I don't know that I did. I think I just came and said, hey, you guys got it on file. And I really didn't fill out the paperwork. Because you guys will know if you want me or not. The paperwork isn't going to make that decision. If you want me, I'll put my time into it. If not, fuck that shit, right? And that girl loved it. Be before I came in, I actually even, or as I came in, uh, I made a very loud, audible noise. Like, hey, where am I going? Something like that. The girl made eye contact with me to get over there. She loved that. You know, I made the whole room. There were seven or eight people around there casting. And I made the whole room turn and look at me. Let me tell you something about reality TV. <laughs> if, if people won't look at you, you're not going to be on it. You have to be able to grab some attention, right? And so I, 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 I did. I, I put it through what I knew I should do the last time, 
and that I failed to do because I wasn't trying to be that sellout. I wanted to be there on my art. And guess what, Kyle? They ain't picking up people on their art. Well, within one minute of uh, talking with this girl, she had written down a piece of paper that she wanted me to come back for a video interview. Well, fucking A. That's, that's the whole nuts right there. Like, I made it further now within one minute than I did over, what, 4,000 miles the last two times? So I knew they'd like this, you know, when I got into the video room. Thank God they asked me a question. You know, they first they, they sat you in a chair. They explained they didn't have a camera guy, so sit really still. Try and stay centered because this is for corporate. This is what the corporate offices are going to view, determining if they like you with the other contestants, you know, because they're making a whole concoction here. You know, they're making a birthday cake. They got to make, they got to mix some shit together. So I sat down and then they asked me, what's it like at your shop? Are you friends? Are you family? Do you sometimes fight? I don't think I'll ever forget that question. Are you friends? Are you family? Do you sometimes fight? <laughs> and I remember I had just had people that I had taught to tattoo go to work for my competition down the road all of them in one felled swoop it was just me and my wife at this eight-man shop now this great big huge empty shop with just me and my wife make and we were making it you know we fucking put our nose to the grindstone we were making it but uh and this was going to change it all because i wasn't going to be there this was about to be the hardest moment of my life if they said yes but i I knew the opportunity, so I continued. When, when they asked, are you friends, are you family, do you sometimes fight? I said, oh, do we sometimes fight? You mean with the assholes that all took their turn stabbing me in the back? They're working for a baby raper two miles down the road? I didn't mention that before. The guy was uh, <laughs> one of the associates of the shop was convicted of trying to have sex with a minor. At any rate... um. I said they went for a baby to work for a baby raper down the road. Uh, I said it more animated than that, and they said, "Are you kid? You're kidding, right?" Oh, and I could tell that they liked the anger that they had fired up in me, you know. And they, because they like leaned in to check the camera just to make sure it was still centered. And I was like, "Fuck you, being in the camera. I didn't care anymore. I was like, "A Jerry Lee Lewis, great balls of fire, that fucking stool behind me. It shot out like a fucking torpedo. And I stood up. And I was, I'm sure I was off camera. I was like, oh yeah, those fucking assholes. Every fucking one of them. I taught them how to hold the tattoo machine. You kidding me? They all take their turn lining up to stab me in the back. Those fuckers. Yeah, we sometimes fucking fight. <laughs> they loved it. And then I apologized emphatically. And I gathered up the stool. And I set it down. And I tried to get on my mark again. And I said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And they said, oh no, it's okay. Just yes, please try to sit still. But they said, oh, no, it's okay. I could tell they loved it. So the rest of the interview just went like that. I kept feeding them the over-the-top stuff. Well, that's what they loved. And here I find myself on the show. And then you get a producer, two different ones, all producers, actually. Eventually, everybody is coming up to you and they're saying, hey, where's that Kyle we saw in casting? They would. There was one of them um, that was working close to me. And she says, I just saw your casting video. I was crazy. Where's that Kyle? Everybody's trying to get me to come out and say things all the time. I was trying to get you say things. And I never had much to say because there were so many egos in the room. That's why I told them. I was like, listen, when it's just the sound of a spoon jingling against the edge of a cereal bowl in the morning, 
you know, when it's all the anger and animosity that we've all made from, from living together and working next to each other, competing against you, that's when I'll have something to say. She says, well, you may not be here that long. Why? What do you know? You know some shit that I don't, I'm going home or something? Like, I didn't do a bad tattoo yesterday, did I? Uh, certainly not the worst. But they, they would pull it out of you. They let you know that the, the whole reason you're here is to be seen. It's to be heard. And what good is it to be on this show if you don't, if you're not remembered? I can't tell you how many times I heard that one. And eventually, obviously, it sank in, right? Because I gave him something to remember. Well, that was the first season. And I, got a, I got a little glimpse into how the world worked, you know? I watched Craig Foster go home. I hope you watched season three. Brilliant artist, a black kid in there, on there named Craig. Craig Foster, who I thought should have won. After I saw him do the first tattoo, I was scared. I realized, although I'd never met this guy, he was in an echelon that I only wished to, to achieve. His technical ability and his artistic ability was far beyond mine. I didn't know how I could compete with him. Um, and I think a lot of people there felt that way. That's why when he went home very prematurely over some fucking bullshit, um, nobody seemed to to raise too much voice over. I did, honestly. I did. I went on for a little while. I think I asked more questions and continued with the same line because their answers didn't make sense. They explained that he... they that This is off camera. There was such an uproar about Craig going home and Joshua staying, although Joshua had been down three times and uh, had won twice, I believe, or maybe even just once, and, and uh, Craig had won twice already and lost twice. And they sent him home for bad black and gray when he didn't do black and gray. He did opaque gray. And he did opaque gray not on black and gray day. He did opaque gray on a proportion day. Josh Hibbard did bad proportion on proportion day and stayed. But for some reason, Craig did, in their opinion... Bad black and gray on proportion day with good proportions, and he went home. And, I mean, that was the moment that you knew something was funky, you know? And a lot of people shut up. They wouldn't talk about it. I was very, very adamant about there was something wrong with this. We moved on, though. Obviously, I moved on, too. Uh, but it gave me an insight that kept coming back to me when I came back the second season. You see, when you're there the first time, you do shut up. You know, in the second season, or I should say my second season, it was actually the fourth season, but the, the second time I was on with all these new people, well, yeah, of course they want to shut up. You know why they want to shut up? Because when they win, they want to feel it's fair, that, it, that everything is fair, and that they worked justifiably hard enough, and that they got, they got the fucking apple. You know what I mean? They got that apple, they got that trophy, and they deserve it. That, and you have to feel that there is no bias or you don't feel right in eating that apple. But there was bias. It was obvious with Craig. So when I come back around, uh, I think it was, yeah, Jim Francis starts mentioning Kyle's full of conspiracy theories. I'll tell you some of the conspiracy theories that I was full of. I said, I believe that they are biased against colored people because Craig Foster never got to give out a... Uh, he won twice, but never got a reward for it. Usually you're able to assign somebody some kind of, um, you know, some, some 
place inside of the next competition. And uh, I do believe that he was robbed of that. Um, there were a few other things that made me think that. Uh, how do I explain it without naming names? I was told by somebody that I trust that they were told in some kind of confidence that there is no way they were going to let that girl or that black guy win. That was told to this person by Ollie. It wasn't told by all of them. Um, now, do, I wasn't there. This is all third person. But one of, that was one of my conspiracies. Like, I think Ollie's, there's a chance he's a bigot. Well, lo and behold, fast forward in time. And what do we find out was hiding on Ollie's MySpace page, but the nine years he consecutively dressed in blackface for Halloween so that he could de denigrate a black uh, icon, Kobe Bryant. Um, I mean, it, it didn't matter. You see what I'm like? Anyways, I believe I was right. I believe that Ollie's a little bigoted. Racist, I'm not so sure. I think I, I, I'm doubtful on that, but bigoted, yeah, I do see that. I, I saw it in his actions, saw it in his mannerisms. Um, <laughs> you know, I just saw it. Uh, and then what was the other? I knew that from that same sentence that I was told, I imagined that, that they were chauvinists. And uh, we saw that. During season four, this is something you probably don't know, but they were actually being sued. Uh, the the uh, Oliver and Nunez, I believe it was, but definitely Nunez, they were being sued over sexual harassment of one of their, um, not interns, but one of their assistants. Sexual harassment that we actually witnessed as contestants. We saw them harassing her, uh, tickling her. Uh, we just didn't know it was unwanted. It was weird. You were like, I, don't, I thought they were their girlfriends, but... I'm, as I understand it, actually, these are their assistants. And you thought they were their girlfriends because they were close with them and they would, you know, talk closely and they would fun with one of them, particularly. They would, they were fun. If, if But in hindsight, you know, it wasn't fun. They were tormenting her. <laughs> you know, that's what we know from the lawsuit that sprung up out of it. They were tormenting her and eventually uh, they removed her from the set because they didn't. They didn't like the way she responded to their torments, as I understand it. Um, well, that legal case was making its way through the courts uh, while Nunez was there. So he's fed up. Or while I'm there with Nunez, you know, he's fed up. He's, he's got a lot going on. He's got a baby that was being born, a wife who is, who is trying to stand next to him. I don't know if he's even married, but a, a baby's mama who's trying to stand next to him while he's being charged with sexual assault. I don't think that worked out, but that probably has more to do with Nunez being a fucking piece of shit human being than it does with uh, his sexual harassment charge. Um, and that's something I stand behind. Uh, I think Nunez is a piece of shit human being. I haven't seen any redeeming qualities from him, and I have talked to zero people who have told me of any. Uh, people will sometimes come up to defend him and be like, hey, I gotta let you know, man, I'm actually, I'm friends with Nunez. And you're like, yeah, dude, I... I understand. Listen, I only know Nunez 
from the TV show. So I'm sure he's a cool guy any other time. But man, on the TV show, he played a dick. You know, like a cop pulls you over. It doesn't mean he's a fucking asshole, but he's being an asshole that time. You know what I mean? So like, I get it. That guy's an asshole to me. He's your friend. And then they would, <laughs> every time I've met one of these people, they would then be like, oh, we actually had a fall. He's kind of a dick. Blah, blah, blah. They would go off on him and tell me shit about this motherfucker inside of his personal life that would make him seem even worse to me. So my experience with with Nunez is he is the Simon Cowell. He is the asshole of Ink Masters. But, uh, you know, we've all got a job to do. And his was to make me exciting. <laughs> his, his was to make the show exciting, which he did. He did a good job of. Let's be honest. You're, you're all listening. If you're listening this long into it, it's because of the job that he did. Uh so we saw this, and then when I come back the second time, you begin to see through the holes. You know, you see the um, you see the the way the other contestants were treated, and then you see them being treated again that way to elicit a storyline. And that's another thing that you you may be or may not be aware of. There are story writers on the show. So, I mean, they're not writing scripts for us. We are all autonomous individuals we are not here to be actors so what does the story writer do well the story writer works with the editor and the producers and all together they try to the story writer works with the editor he takes the edited uh, video and he makes it into a storyline and then he works with the producer and says this storyline could use some resolve in this area. We would like to hear Kyle say something about this so that we could finish this storyline. Or we would like to hear Kyle do this. So you literally do have people conspiring with and against you on the show. I mean, you have a team of people. Everybody there has a, has a producer, and, and there's an editor for that person. Um, and those people work with the story writers for those people, too, and they conspire against and or for you in my case it was against me and so when jim francis is saying kyle's full of all these conspiracy theories it's like well one of them now in hindsight has been proven right <laughs> and uh the other one were it was about how i hope you watched the video that was put up with the grape monkey the cucumber monkey this is something i real i was aware of this uh this scientific experiment uh, prior to going on the show. So eventually I began realizing that I was Cucumber Monkey. I mean, literally there. I'm like, that's it. I'm fucking Cucumber Monkey. They want the same guy they saw in casting. They want me to get angry. They want me to do something. I don't know if they... I don't think they wanted me to uh, push the kid. But in hindsight, when we watch, we see that I only came up and put my chest up against kid and he physically pushed me and that's also after you don't hear it on the audio there there's something called a frankenstein idiot they've used it against me on a couple of times like when i'm yelling at ashley you'll notice that i'm sitting down no one else is sitting down why is kyle yelling sitting down right everybody else is standing in a line kyle's on a stool and then they make it it well 
a Frankenstein edit is things that go backwards, kind of. You know, they're just like, that didn't seem congruous. That didn't seem like all the pieces moved together fluidly. So when uh, we're starting up on that day when I fought with Nunez, and I say immediately, it's like the first thing that happens. Like, all right, so we're going to start today. There's 12 of you left or some shit, blah, blah, blah. And then I say, you calling me out? That is not, I'm silent. Trust me, I'm silent. I ain't got nothing to say. I'm waiting until I'm next to that kid. They, he felt so nervous by the way I was mean mugging that little bitch. The inside of his, he had to talk about it when there was safe distance between us. But then he made the mistake. Because when he said motherfucker, I said motherfucker. He says, do what you want. And then he told me, come at me, bro. He pulled his fists up and he fucking stuck his chest out like, come at me. So, I'm doing it. (laughs) You know, when I got up there, I've got some priors. And they're almost all assaults. So, uh, it doesn't look good in a Jersey jail. It's not filmed in New York City. It's filmed in Jersey. Just outside of New York City, we go into Jer- to New York to film the exteriors. Then we go back to Jersey to make it look like we're still in New York. But So, while we're filming... Um, man, I've completely lost my mind on that. I'm sorry. If I had an editor, I would say edit this. But I'm not going to edit. I'm just going to put it raw on the thing. Raw dog it. But so Ink Master was kind of pushed, you know. And I'm not mad at news. People often ask me, how do you guys feel? You guys, you guys make it up? You patch it up? Like, no, we didn't patch it up. We don't talk to each other. We didn't hang out there, you know. Uh, Navarro doesn't call out the hours every hour that you're tattooing he does all of that within 15 minutes and then he leaves the real time's called by a producer they're like okay guys you got an hour left you know and they don't do it on on the hour they do it when they feel like it too like they you thought they'd do it on the hour and then they'd be like man it's been a long time then another hour and a half would go by and they'd be like okay now you only got an hour 15 minutes or something you're like whoa whoa what happened to an hour i would like on the hour you know what i mean to get a pace for this tattoo to know but um it's a big machine it's a bit it's got a lot of cogs they all got to work through everything so you know not everything can be done the way that you would imagine it should uh nunez and i got in a fight on the first season and you'll never see it it's in it's in some footage somewhere that was on the cutting room floor Tony Hundal came on, um, somebody I've not impressed with, uh, and he was an idiot. I was like, Tony Hundal came on. Um, I had to do a new school Phoenix. It was the day we were doing Phoenixes on the the third season, my first time being on. Tony Hundal came on, and it was Nunez's birthday, and they were friends. That's why that guy was there not because he was a good tattoo artist if you look at his tattoos you'll see that they are crap i mean quite literally go back through the episode they'll show you the tattoos pause it and look at all the crap work this guy did it is crap he completely ruined people's bodies and he he was up there as a judge and it was like this slap in the face because you're like i know good artists (laughs) you know you didn't you didn't call them you know i have a friend marshall bennett who actually wanted to go on the show as a judge and they never had him on and, like, why wouldn't you... You got this Tony Hoondall guy on here who can't do whiskers that line up on a fucking wolf on a, on a back? Anyways. 
um, that was my experience. And, and Hundal came on, and him and Nunez were getting drunk and being drunk when they came back to critique. And they were being pure assholes to my customer, um, who I needed to sit through some flames. She was getting a phoenix. There were some embers floating up. And it needed to have a huge orange and red swath right going through it so that those embers all made sense. But they made her so nervous. And they made her second guess what I was doing so much by judging everything in there. Even though she still tells me to this day that she loves the tattoo, um, she couldn't go on. We couldn't finish. And then they judge me on this tattoo that they came in. And man, that fucking asshole too. Tony Hundal kept on being like, Oh, maybe it's the it's the tequila talking, but those those look like the Hawaiian Islands. Hey, yeah, it sounds like the tequila talking, you fucking douchebag. Man, I want to chop him down, bring him down to my size, a couple good fucking movie tie kicks to his knees. I seen that big fucking fat out of shape bastard take one crack to his knees and watch him come down to your size too. It would have been fun. Anyways, at this point, I'm actually just talking shit about Tony Hundal because I hope it gets out to the piece of fuck um because of what a douchebag he was on set to us all then he sat up there in judgment and i went off on these guys they're like kyle you look mad i'm like yeah i'm mad well tell us why you're mad that's why we're here well i don't have alcoholics in my fucking shop i also don't have assholes in my shop if someone comes in and they're drunk or they are an asshole i kick them the fuck out of my shop but you motherfuckers come in here and i don't even know is it my shop I, don't, I can't kick you out. And you fucking act like assholes and make it harder for me to tattoo? Fuck you guys. Oh, well, you know, they begin backpedaling a little bit, trying to bring it back to my work. No, no, it's about respect and professionality here. You guys can't be professional, then I don't know why the fuck you're here. But first off, as you walked around and talked about all of us as though we were jokes, and they did, they laughed outside of the room of everybody. As though we were all making this huge mistake, this way to kind of put this weight on us. I want to point out that you're not a man enough to be down here tattooing against us. Now, well, I've made it to a place in my career where I don't need this show. That's interesting. Do you know where you're at? <laughs> That's exactly what I said to him. <laughs> so I made it to a place in my career where I don't need this show. And I said, have you? Have you? That's Jimmy Litwalk down here. He's here. I've never heard of you. I have heard of Jimmy. I, I've heard of Jimmy. His name's, he's been in all the magazines. If you say Jimmy Litwak, people know who you're talking about. People say Tony Hundal, and all of you, every time I've said his name here, we're just like, what? Exactly. You don't even remember which judge he was because he sucks. But at any rate, I pulled that out. I showed it to him. I was like, no, you're here. Well, you know, my kids would like to see, okay, yeah, whatever. You, so that your kids will think you're cool. You're on this show. Oh, man, he didn't like that. <laughs> he didn't like that a bit he didn't like me bringing his family into it but he brought his family into it you know fucking um they actually they actually took a break after i after i criticized them like this because i was right there was nothing they could say they knew it and so they came back and then they gave their critiques again and it never made it in but that was the day that nunez became my uh, nemesis i guess if you will it was Nunez's birthday, remember? It was Nunez's fault that they went out to get drunk while we were all tattooing. And it was Nunez who encouraged them to come back and be an asshole, a belligerent asshole, when they got back. 
And then I just got to point out to him what a shitty artist he was, you know. Hey, you're on this show, motherfucker, but your work looks like fucking crap. He told me I was trying to baffle him with bullshit, with, with, which I don't even know what that means. I mean, isn't that what a tattoo is? It's not a real thing on the skin. We are baffling you with some bullshit that we've constructed to look different the amount of baffle that we achieve is how good the tattoo is you fucking idiot you're trying to baffle me with bullshit i don't see a tattoo here i don't even know how you don't see a tattoo here it's like one of the biggest tattoos done today it's on a girl's ribs it's all solid the line work looks good uh it's technically good you just don't like the hawaiian islands of embers that i put in there to try and show texture but if you're baffling me with bullshit, I've looked at your work, and you're losing me with line work. <laughs> you just ruined that lady's back. Is that a lady's back? It should be a lady back by the theory, but, I mean, it shows no shape. She looks like she just has some of the through line work up on her. You know, it didn't make her look skinny or sexy. My tattoo uh, that I did that day and that I do any day is, usually, is, is to address the anatomy in a way to make you look better naked. Not to look better with shorts on, Oliver. I never understood that. Oliver said about my tattoo that threw me over the edge. He, he said, you know, if you if she's wearing shorts, you only see some weird gray blue blob coming out of these shorts. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. Have you ever seen a sleeve, right? And then someone wears like a quarter sleeve over their sleeve. And now you don't understand what their sleeve looks like, right? Like, does that make the tattoo bad? Is that the way that works? Is like, well, there's clothing. So if you put clothing on, this tattoo looks bad. I'm sorry, but you lose, Kyle. <laughs> you're like, I don't. And that's kind of the real, you're like, oh, okay, you're fucking with me. You're fucking with me. You want a result. Well, you're going to get one. I hope you like it. And that, that was what I decided. Honestly, um, they were writing my story. They were conspiring against me. And I decided that I was going to be prepared to beat the shit out of that little fucker. <laughs> like, I was going to, that was my idea. When I was going in the next day, I was like, I wasn't planning on beating his ass, but if the opportunity arose. See, I had been eating it for some time. They tell you all the time, they're like, well, argue with them. Arguing, you, you see it on the show when they argue, right? It doesn't help your case. Right? No one ever comes out of the argument like, you know, Kyle, I see it your way now. Never mind. Your tattoo wins today. No. But the producers would always tell you to argue, argue with them. You know, that's why you feel it because they want to have a good product. and They want an entertaining show. You want to win. Do you want to piss off the guy who's going to determine whether or not you win 100000 No. So you eat the shit they say, and when they tell you stuff that's foolish, like uh, there's no more perfect circle in the world than an eyeball, it's like, well, first off, they're more like footballs. They're not circles, okay? That's the eyeball. Now, if we talk about the, the iris, too, it's not a perfect circle either, because I don't know if you're aware of glasses, <laughs> but there's a whole fucking science built on making your iris more fucking circular because it's not because your lenses are weak and lazy like so i don't understand some of the things they say sometimes like uh hey he told he told keith Differendorfer that you got to look for the the spine 
whether it's a snake or whether it's an eel, you got to look for the spine, which is stupid as well, and shows his lack of understanding of anatomy of a moray eel. You see, a moray eel spine is not on its back. It's right in its center so that it can collapse its ribs down very, very small and so that it can go into tight spaces. Like, they would just say these things and you would think about arguing, but oh God, don't do that, <laughs> right? You're going to open up that can of worms? You're going to piss off people like that? No, you don't want to do that. Just sit back, get your judgment, and go on, and hopefully maybe you can impress them tomorrow until you start to realize that you're the cucumber monkey. <laughs> you don't get any grips, just cucumbers. Well, when, when I begin realizing, you know, that I knew I was going to fight, or I knew I was going to try to fight with him, I was like, that moment, I was done. I had done the most beautiful tattoo I had done on that, on that show yet. And they tore it down and told me it was one of the worst ones I'd ever done. They told me I could have justifiably gone home for doing my best work. Which meant to me, fucking well, send me home. I, I don't do better work than that. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, if that isn't... Then I don't belong here. And they keep on telling me it's no good if I'm not remembered. Well... <laughs> there's a way to be remembered, you know? Uh, and so that's where we were going. I knew where we had to go. Uh, he didn't, he wasn't happy about it because remember, I, I told him I tattooed circles around you because I tattooed a perfect circle. I told him that he was a bitch because he had someone else's words in his mouth. These are all things I knew I could support. He could call me a bitch. I don't have someone else's words in my mouth. I'm not misrepresenting myself. I am truly being me. Actually, at the moment that he called me a bitch, I was being the least bitch that I had been on that show. Up until then, I was their bitch. I was the judge's bitch. I would shut up. I was the producer's bitch. I would give them what they wanted. At that moment, I was not a bitch at all. He was Taco Bell's bitch. He was Corona's bitch. Original Media's bitch. Spike TV's bitch. Nowadays, he's Paramount's bitch. He is a bitch. And I'll tell you, if you paid me the same price that he gets paid, like five to 10000 an episode, I'd be your bitch too. I will happily be your bitch. I will say whatever you got. He's got a little earpiece. All, th all three of them are sitting up there. They'll have an earpiece in their ear that's out of the camera shot. They are listening to what is being said in the control room. The control room is telling them to say things like, Kyle could justifiably go home. So when he didn't understand why I was mad at him calling me out, and he's like, you're calling me out on what? I don't even know what you're talking about. It was because he was a bitch. He had someone else's words in his mouth. He didn't remember it as though it was what he said. He just remembered it as though he was reciting a line. He was getting what he needed out of the show so that they could get what they needed so that it could go on to run until somebody was found out for being a racist piece of shit. Let me talk about racist piece of shit for a second, too. Oliver. Um, a lot of people that I know like him, and I don't, I don't hate him. I do find him to be very bigoted, and I hope it changes. <clears throat> I hope he's going through some lessons to teach him that, but I don't want it to be not known. Uh, but what happened, I think it was season seven. Um, but when David Navarro played the Star Spangled Banner, uh, the Francis Key Scott uh, national anthem that we have, that we have removed the racist stanzas from, um, look it up, you'll find them. And uh, so he was playing this national anthem, 
And, uh, you know, we were going through the thing with Colin Kaepernick at the time, taking a knee on the field. And I guess people got the idea that hurts the flag. Knees on fields hurt flags. I don't get it. Um, especially it was suggested by his friend who was a Marine. <laughs> like He was like, hey, maybe you take a knee. That's the way we do to show respect. to. <laughs> it's, it's amazing to me. So anyways, some of these guys took a knee uh, to show their respect for black lives and when that happened oliver grew very upset and as i'm told i wasn't there as i'm told he he had them redo it dave played the national anthem actually twice or something like that or they filmed the guys lining up ask somebody like aaron is more about that one he was there he knows or ask somebody um boneface boneface was there and uh he knows but at any rate, uh, aside from the ignorant racism that Ali showed, shows, uh, I was ready to beat that fucker's ass that day because I was ready to go home. I wasn't going to be anybody's bitch anymore. I was done being a bitch. Now, here's what you may not know. Uh, the season prior to that, I had lost my home. You remember me telling you that it was just me and my wife working the shop and keeping it afloat? Well, when I left to go film Ink Masters, it was just me. And when I came back, I didn't have a house. We were homeless. So when I was filming Ink Masters 2, we were staying in an apartment. My wife was, man, that girl's awesome. She was able to put all that together uh, and get us an apartment. Um, but then we lived in uh, an RV after that. We and, and I was homeless for the next three years. So, honestly, uh, I lost my house the first time I went on. The second time, I was living in a dingy little apartment. And then the third, t- it, the next, any time you see me after that, I'm living in an RV. They try to paint it out like it's this happy thing. My RV was a 1991 454 that, that, that died every fucking day. It could barely get me across the country. I learned so much about a 454, more than I would ever want to know. Um I've fixed that thing on the side of the highway so many times in people's yards. and Anyways, it wasn't happy times for me. It wasn't stress-free times, that's for sure. It wasn't just, oh, I'm happy, I'm out on the road. But they want to portray it some way. They always tell you, Kyle, people like happy stuff. They don't like, you know. It's like, well, I'm broke, <laughs> you know, in some extent, thanks to this show. I'm famous and broke. It's such a weird, weird uh, concoction People coming up to you in the mall, anywhere you go, recognizing your tattoo, loving you, you know, telling you how much they love you, like literally telling you, I love you. Like you meant a lot to my children, they would say. And you'd be like, You let your kids watch me? Holy shit, what's wrong with you? But they would they would come up and they would tell you this stuff and they'd be like, Man, we're so glad to see you doing so good. And then you would just pause. <laughs> and you'd be like, Right. Right. I'm buying the fourth battery for my RV this month because we can't figure out why it keeps draining them. You know, Uh, I'm like, I'm stuck in the parking lot right now and my AC is not working and it's hot as hell down here in Georgia. You know, Uh, well, let me wrap this thing up. We're almost getting on 45 minutes here, past 45 minutes. Uh, I just wanted to have some audio for the for the website and. Mark wanted me to have some audio for the website, and it looks like I've gone over way too much. Um, I just want to explain the cogs of the show and, and kind of how, how 
people ask me all the time, how you guys patch it up, are you still friends? We never had contact on the show. You don't hang out with those guys. They don't hang out with you. We're not living in the same area. We only see each other. When you see us on on set together, that's when we see each other. When you see the camera there, that's when we see each other. And that's not even right, actually. And I'm lying, actually. Like I said, Navarro does the countdown. We don't see him for the day. Like, so when we do the tattoos, they make it look like we get judged that day. We actually get judged the next day, and we have to wear the same clothes. Does that make sense? And so they actually, as we tattoo, they come back for their little lunch. They do their little once-over where they just look at the tattoos or they go through the rooms. Then they leave. They're gone for the day. And that was after they, they went out for a two- to three-hour lunch. So then that's when they're coming back drunk and acting like assholes. Um, and I hope that's it. And uh, let me know. It, you know, if you guys got any comments on this, please Please let me know uh, how to make these better because um, they want me to make more of them. I'll try to talk less time. Uh, I'll try to, to do less talking maybe. Or if you liked it, maybe you're driving. Maybe I need to do long. Long talk.